White Sox! White Sox! Go! 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 Call your sons! Call your daughters! Holy cow! Carlton Burns has put the White Sox ahead! There goes number 400! The big Brad Burns takes the perfect game! His second no-hitter! You can't put it on the board! Yeah! Can it go? Grand slam! The White Sox winner and a world championship! Have all the fun you want, Tim Anderson! This one is... Locked on socks. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know? Come with me to Southside of Chicago. What a fantastic turn of events if you love the Chicago White Sox. And I'm falling in love by the breath. Hello and welcome to Locked on Socks. My name is Herb Lawrence. With me, as always, is Chris Tannehill. And today, we have a special episode for you talking about Pakoda projections. They came out this morning. We are recording this on a Tuesday evening here at the basement of Chris Tannehill. It's so ba- so beautiful. Last couple times. I was going to say it's so basement-y. Yeah, so, How are the pork chops tonight? Herb? Oh, man. Chris and his lovely wife hooked up some air fried pork chops and I was, you know, expecting dryness. It, I'm thinking like they're just going to dry out the pork chop and cook it hard. And no, it tasted just like a regular pork chop you put in the, the skillet or you put into the oven and delicious. Yeah, they have like a, a grill setting in it's they're not fried per se, but it's just like pressure cooked in a, in a way and they have a grill like plate that you throw in there and you just Put it on top and, and and close the lid and bang. Ten minutes later, you got your pork chops. So it's a pretty cool invention. What a world. Oh, my goodness. What a time to be alive. So delicious. I'm a fan of pork chops. I shouldn't be because of uh, you know hypertension and all. But, you know, we're going to all <laughs> die one of these days. But to reach us, LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. You have any questions, any suggestions like our last episode which we were apart. This is a time we're back together. Our first two episodes were together. The next two were apart. We're doing a Skype thing. Now we're back in Chris's basement. Great setup he has here. And so LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. Follow me at EchnerWall23. Tannehill is at Chris Tannehill. And also we're on Instagram, not on Facebook because we're not 35. <laughs> no, we are 35. We're, we're much older than that. Um but we're not old and dead. So wait, hang on a Billy Pierce episode tonight. Number 19. Oh, snap. Yeah. I'm glad you said it. Cause I wouldn't have got Billy Pierce off the well, dome. Luckily for you, I've been doing some research about Billy Pierce. I figured this is one, this is a number that has not been available in quite some time. Is he the one that Farmio used to always talk about a South side? Like he used to visit Ed Farmer and his friends down at the South Side. Well, I believe it because um, you know, sadly he he passed away about five years ago. But it said he lived in Palos Heights, uh, you know, after his playing career was over. So he was always around at the ballpark a lot. I remember seeing him throughout the pitch in the uh, first pitch in 2005 ALDS game one against Boston. I remember that was the last time I saw him in public personally. But I, I you know, I started doing a deep dive on Billy Pierce because I looked born April 2nd. That's my birthday. He was born April 2nd, 1927 in Detroit. And Billy Pierce is one of those guys. You see that number 19 hanging up there. 
uh, at Guaranteed Rate Field, one of the retired numbers, and you don't know much about it. You know, just think there's another guy that I, you know, that you don't hear about among in baseball lore as one of the all-time greats or whatever. But he's an all-time great White Sox, and I looked it up. I did some some digging on on old Billy Pierce. 53.4 career war, a seven-time All-Star. He was the pitcher of the year from the Sporting News in 56 and 57. And how about this? He ranks 84th all-time with 1,999 career strikeouts. So close. <laughs> I'm like, why wouldn't the White Sox just bring him back for one strikeout? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> like, but, it had to be eaten at him in his later years. Like, I just had to get one more out. This is the weird part about this. We've got the new playoff projections or playoff uh format that they're trying to propose for maybe next year or the year after that man you said he was the pitcher of the year 57 and 58 56 57 yeah. 56 and 57 guess what the white Sox did those years didn't go to the damn playoffs that's right yeah. i don't know how many games they won but i'm sure the yankees went to the playoffs well, that year well actually that's a big part of uh this the story of billy pierce because he faced the Yankees. That was like at the peak Yankees in the fifties, like that that dynasty with Mickey Mantle and everyone. That he faced them more than anyone, and he went up against guys like Whitey Ford more than anyone. So you know, this guy he's got like borderline Hall of Fame numbers. Billy Pierce does, but a lot of people said is because of his contemporaries like Whitey Ford that went in around the same time that he just didn't get the love that he deserved because he's on the White Sox, you know, mm-hmm. not not a winning team. So it was just you know the the thin line. This is back when wins. Pitcher wins were everything. I mean, he finished with well over 200 career wins. Um, so, you know, not the magic 300 win total, but he played with some bad Sox offenses. And a, a great lefty playing with bad offenses sounds familiar. I've seen that a few times in my lifetime uh, as a Sox fan. Uh, his number one statistical comp, Vida Blue. Who is a Hall of Famer? <laughs> he is, yeah. I okay. believe so, yeah. Um, and another fun fact, he pitched an 11-inning pitcher's duel, 2-1 to loss uh, on the other end for the Cleveland Indians, Satchel Paige mm. in uh, 1949. So Satchel was 1,000 years old. <laughs> yes, he was, yeah. I think it said he was like 42-ish, but I immediately, <laughs> yeah, he's pitching 11 innings and he's 42 years old. So, um, And also after his White Sox career, Billy Pierce went on to pitch for the Giants, and uh, he outdueled Sandy Koufax. He shut out the Dodgers in uh, in route to an eight to nothing uh, Giants win uh, as the Giants uh, eventually won the pennant that year. So Billy Pierce, shout out. So now when you see that number nineteen hanging up there, um, in, in in you know underneath the press box there, and you you see it in the program and things like that, now you know a little bit about Billy Pierce. But very interesting uh, stuff there. So and we satisfy our guy Josh. I think it say, said his name John last time. Josh was asking about the why we have the episode named after players. So he was like, I don't want to watch or listen to an episode about Lance Johnson or Brett Lelovich, which is the last one. We should have named it Daniel Polka. Maybe even somebody else like uh, uh, Gio Soto. But whatever. The, the 108 people, were they they were listening and they were upset that we didn't give Daniel Polka the proper love. Sorry, Beef Loaf. <laughs> yeah. But yes, um, this Episode is both number 19, episode Billy Pierce, and we give you some Billy Pierce information. We might be doing this from now on. You know, 20 is coming up, and I'm thinking of one person in particular, but I'll keep that on hold until the next episode. But this episode, we're going to be talking about the Pakoda ranking. Oh, my God, Herb. Oh, my God. You know what I love more than anything in the world? Well, besides Latin. Well, as you know, I am very, very partial to Latin. I love Latin. I love 
projections more than anything else in the whole wide world. I mean, when when I go grocery shopping every week, I ask my wife, hey, why don't you project what I'm going to spend at the grocery store? (laughs) It's one of my favorite things to do. So, you know, when Baseball Prospectus has Pakoda Day with the with the projections, I'm all over it. So we'll we'll start there. White Sox projected at, appropriately enough, 83 wins. I think, yeah, 83 wins is what they have them at. And I don't know how you feel about it, but I feel it's right where they should be. I, you know, we usually we get mad at Pakoda this time of year. Uh, like it's a person, you know, Bill Pakoda declined <laughs> to come on the podcast today to talk about his, his numbers and his hatred for the White Sox. But 83, I think it's right where the White Sox should be as constituted currently. Would you actually know what Pakoda stands for? I, I do because I looked it up, <laughs> but I didn't before today. Okay. Do you know? Yeah. It's player <laughs> empirical comparison and or optimization test algorithm. That's right. Yeah, friends. <laughs> I got the same thing. We both looked it up before that's, we did the podcast. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess so. It's um, 83 is close to where I was uh, saying they were going to be. 85 is where... I'm at, I think this number in Caesars is 84 and a half for over under. Okay. So everybody's in the same ballpark. And Pakoda, the number right here is just a, like, this is the most likely outcome that they're going to have when they run their um, projections. So, like, they're, you know, this is the the most, this is the median. They could, they have uh, projections of the White Sox winning more games than that, more than 100 games. This is just the, like, the median of where, they run all these ag- yes. algorithms through, and then they come up with this number. It's strange because what they run one simulation, correct? Which I think is very counterproductive to one run one simulation. No, I think they run at least a hundred simulations. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny because I was looking up, you know, on Baseball Prospectus, they show you the different additions they make as far as staff, and they want to keep you up to date with all the things that go into this. So they tell you people that were added to the staff, column statistical columns that were added to the spreadsheets. And I, I thought this was funny. They have a little uh, uh, <laughs> addendum here. Um where they added Brett Gardner and they dropped Curtis Granderson. And I'm wondering if after Curtis Granderson retired, if they had to blow the whole shit up and, and they do could, it they again. Got, yeah, do run them a thousand more times. Son after. of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. I, but yeah, these people work very hard. But I think they got it right. Uh, last year, uh, the Pakota uh, rankings projected the White Sox to win 70 games. And they wound up winning 72. So they were pretty much right on the money. Um, there's one thing they didn't take into account with last year's team, though. TW, TW, that's the will to win. So, you know, hopefully this year they have that factored into everything. But to, so Pakoda's usually right on. They were right around with the, with the Cubs where they were at as well. And funny note here, 2005, the Pakoda project, projections, I saw people talking about that. And I forgot that it was even a thing back then. Uh, but in 2005, Baseball Prospectus projected the White Sox 80 and 82. So there are cases where they're they're way off, and we're hoping that this year uh, that this would be one of those cases. I think back in the day, Pakoda couldn't figure out the White Sox either way. Like they would be wildly wrong either way on their final standings. And so I think late, lately they've been kind of money because the White Sox have been terrible, and it's not that hard to say that uh, Palka and all those guys would not do anything to Spagne. He's my uh, punching bag from last year. You have to he, let that go, man. He was literally like the poster boy for bad baseball. Even I think I put what was that Andy Martinez yeah. for the failure of the 2017, even though he 
played you know minimally. Yeah, but like, I think about him all the time. I'm like, man, that 2017 Andy Martinez. So Billy Pierce was on the All White Sox Century team. I wonder is is Andy Gonzalez and there Oder, is, Oder, Gonzalez. Oder, 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 what were you saying? Martinez. Okay, okay. I was being very racist. Yes, you were. Um, so Andy Gonzalez and Odorisamar de Spagne, they're on like the All Century Terrible team, I guess, as far as the White Sox go. But yeah, and. Along with uh, Brendan's guy, Jose Bread and Water. Oh, that's right. He, one of the great. We got to make sure we don't pass that up when when his uh, when his uniform number comes around. I hope we didn't pass it already. But he had one of the most epic uh, careers with the White Sox ever yeah, <laughs> imaginable. He, he a third of an inning, <laughs> if that. Yeah, a and third he of an inning. like walked everybody and <laughs> gave up a bunch of runs. He was last pitching performance was when he was the White Sox. I'm gonna look it up right now. Um, if you guys don't know what bread and water is, it's Paniagua. Uh, Jose Paniagua pitched for the White Sox. He had one game. He had a 108 ERA. He got one guy out. He's 108ing. <laughs> yes, exactly. 108. Yes. <laughs> Shout out. Uh, gave up three hits, four earned. And one walk. So yeah, then he walked off the mound. Either yeah, flicked my off the favorite fans part. My favorite or flicked part, off yeah. the Everybody. umpire. So <laughs> I think it was an all-encompassing bird. His FIP was twelve, and his WHIP was twelve. Also, yeah, and uh, that was in a in a division race too. By the way, so thank you, Jose Paniagua. But speaking of the division, before we get to more about the White Sox number, let let's start from the bottom, which is my favorite place to start in this uh, particular scenario: the Kansas City Royals. <laughs> I just want to walk maritime plan. They're projected to have 67 wins. Detroit Tigers ahead of them with 69 wins. Nice. And then there's the White Sox, third place. Indians, second place, 86.1. And the Minnesota Twins, 93 wins. So there's a lot of interesting things going on here. We're going to keep harping back to this, I think, all year. But the, the more I think about it, though, I don't know if it's going to be a thing, but it, we have to figure out what Cleveland's going to be doing. And I was, you know, I don't think I come. I've made my decision anyway that they're not going to trade Lindor this year because he's got the two years left, like Chris Bryant. I don't think they're going to get what he's worth, so I don't think they're going to trade him. I think they're going to trade him before spring training ends, and they're going to trade him to the Padres. The reason being, the Padres have spent all this money. They struck out on Mookie Betts. They need to get a person. AJ Preller's feeling the heat from that fan base. It's probably going to be their last year of AJ Preller if he if the projections here are correctly. They got the Dodgers winning 103 games and the Padres in second place winning 79 games. So that will not do it in San Diego. They need to make a splash. Getting that type of infield with Hosmer at first, and you put either uh, Lindor or Tatis at second, and the other one at short, and then Manny Machado at third. Man, you're cooking with gas. Then you have Tommy Pham out in the outfield, the guy Grisham out there in right, and then, I don't know, they just signed uh, Juan Lagardis, but I don't think he's going to be for that team, especially if they're going to be um, – maybe they'll switch Tatis out to one of those positions like center field because he didn't play a great uh, shortstop except for a lot of good fielding, but you know, moving him to center would be maybe the move for them, and they got to get rid of Will Myers' money. So I feel – the Indians are ready to move, and hopefully they send over Mike Clevenger too because the, the Padres have a lot of pro- prospects. And after seeing what Mookie Betts went for, they're like, come on, we got that. 
Yeah, and every time you mention Tatis, I think it's the first time since we've been together, it, it has to, to be said. You know, some jackass traded Tatis. Um, it's, speaking of your Padres, did you see today the the spring training hat, which are pretty much all hot garbage around the league? Yes. They were able to make a, a change with their spring training hat because people said that it looked like a swastika on their cap. So MLB is letting them change it, and I think the White Sox should do the same, as well as all the other teams, because... The White Sox currently have uh, shit on their hats. I think currently, I so. think the White Sox uh, thing looks like a cross, and I think about crosses burning, Mississippi burning, KKK. So yes, oh, right. South change that hat and just put it on his shoulder. Damn it, I, I feel race, racially uh, segregated against or oppressed well, by that White Sox hat. You're gonna have to pick your battles if if it's gonna be you know changing the White Sox spring training hat or bringing back the vest. You're gonna you can't pour your all your energy into both of them, so you'll have to make a decision here. I would. Uh, I'm just gonna take the L on the hat then, because I need the vest. I mean, it's not just because of the what they did that year. That's cool, but just a sharp look. It's just a smooth look for me, and really nobody else uses it anymore except for maybe the Rockies still use vests like home and road yeah the reds we were talking about i mean they they did it right because they did they were true to the vest they didn't wear undershirts a lot of them when puig was there he wasn't sporting the undershirts Derek Dietrich, yeah he's jared lorenzen they all yeah. want to show off the guns <laughs> yes why not if you got it flaunted am i right might but, as well um it's probably better to hit too with less restrictions, just so your shoulders are free. Let's go. Well, then you can't hide your uh, your buzzing devices as well if you if you go with this, <laughs> the sleeveless jerseys. Can you but. believe that the Astros <laughs> they cheated versus the White Sox and the White Sox still won? Like they won that game that they cheated versus uh, what's his name? Danny Farquhar. Danny Farquhar. And, and I think I said it on this podcast, Kevin Smith. But the fact that Danny Farquhar uh, noticed it, that they they were cheating and and stopped what he was doing to. To, to to blow up their plans like this is this is a rebuild year you're supposed to be losing games i think he should no longer be have a job with the organization he should no longer be the pitching coach uh in charlotte right is that where danny farquhar is i think i don't know i don't follow yeah. the danny farquhar news but yeah so back to the Sox. we're i think we're both in agreement 83 wins is not going to get it done uh, in terms of getting into the playoffs uh, Right now, Pakoda has them at an 18.1% shot at getting in the playoffs. Um, I don't know if I, you know, that's that's fine, but I don't know if that's going to be quite good enough when you still have the depth, you still have the Angels got better. I don't think they're quite a playoff team, but the AL is a little, it's strong this year. You know, who knows what's going to become of the Astros, but the Yankees are still there. The Rays aren't going anywhere. And getting back to Cleveland, we don't know what they're going to do. So let's talk about, how do the White Sox get to over 83 wins? What's the roadmap, do you think, for them to get there and kind of surprise some people and surpass the projection? Just to let the people know, Farquhar, Winston-Salem, Dash, pitching okay. coach. Dash. And um, for the White Sox to beat these 83 projections, they need career years from a multitude of people, one of them being Nick Madrigal. I need him to start the year as the second baseman. He... If he's the guy that people say that he is defensively great and offensively won't strike out, will put the bat on the ball and lead you to some goodness on the bases, he needs to have a career year. You need to have a career year from Luis Robert because I'm sure these projections don't have a ass-kickingly great year from Luis Robert. They probably have a nice, decent rookie year where it's underselling it. But if Luis Robert beats his projections, this is what the White Sox need. And then finally – 
they need a Cy Young type of performance from either or Giolito or Dallas Keiko. Dallas Keiko is going to be a little harder because of his, you know, he hasn't pitched to, to the 2015 Dallas Keiko as that he was since then. And, but it's going to also be easier because he's pitching to one of the best framers in the game and Yasmani Grandal. That is another thing. Yasmani Grandal has to keep up his offensive performance that he had last year in Milwaukee, his best year as an offensive player. I think he had like 30 some home runs, 380 on base. You need people to have years. I think we we're talking about Cliff Polite and Neil Cott's last episode where they're outperforming projections like by far. Those guys had ERAs in the ones, I believe, that year. And even when the closers went down, you still like you had Shigo Takatsu to start the year, then Dustin Hermanson, then he got hurt, and then Bobby Jenks, a guy a cast off from the Angels, having one of the best postseasons in their so you need guys to outperform their projections. And quite honestly, you need the Twins to come back to you. Which they do have. It's You're not by much, but considering what, they won 101 games last year, I think it was. Around there. So they have them at 93. So they see some regression coming. But still, 93 wins, very strong. And, and I don't think the White Sox will... We'll, we'll get to 93 wins even if they have everything break their way. I just I just don't think things are are lining up for them that way this year. But so what are the what has to go wrong for the Sox to hit an under 83 wins? Injuries. Yeah, I think that if you have one of those starting pitchers, especially in the early months, get injured. If Giolito, um, if yeah, if Giolito's not the same guy as last year. Um, and it's and it's either because of injury or just regression. I mean, I think people anticipate him regressing a little bit just because he just had a great year last year. But mm-hmm. if, if all of a sudden he regresses significantly, then there's problems. Big problems because the depth is not there as yet. Like they have, they'll have depth eventually with Kopech coming back, maybe Dane Dunning late. Stever. Co- yeah, Stever, Rodon coming back late. But right at the beginning – it's tough. That five is is the five, and I don't know if anybody else is going to be battling for that position. I would love for Kopech to break camp with the team, but I know that's not going to happen. Like I said before, if you're going to be having a limit of pitches and or innings on Kopech, let's not waste them down in AAA. Let's have all those bullets in the major leagues and then take them out at the end and just say, hey, kid, you did a good job. Here's your buck 50 innings. Grab a seat on that bench because all these games count, guys. That March 26th game counts as much as the game late in September. So we need to get these wins early and often. And uh, uh, injury to the pitching staff, I can see being a real trouble spot because that I don't know if you have a guy that's going to come up and give you those quality innings. And if imagine if somebody gets hurt and they um, immediately send uh, Kopech down before uh, they break camp. They're not going to bring him back up. They've already made their decision to have right. him down there. They're right. going to bring up some also ran to take up those innings. It'll be Dylan Covey will come back somehow. No, no, no. Did you did you hear who signed him today? I think it was today. He'll get cut. Who he get? Who he get no, signed? No, no, I don't know. I wouldn't be so sure about that. The, the Raiders. The Rays. What they got to fix him? <laughs> what? I mean, watch. Ugh, no. <laughs> 
No, I'll be pissed. I'm calling it. Dylan, Dylan Covey's going to get fixed in Tampa. They're going to they're gonna show him about spin rates and, and stop throwing your stupid sinker. <laughs> that doesn't sink. Yeah, you throw that ball that, that's, that's uh, chest high and it doesn't sink and people just take it deep. Oh, but, Dylan Covey can sign with the Rays. Yeah. yeah, that sucks. But, yeah, I think – Good for him. Yeah, I think they're going to hit regardless, you know, unless there's some – you know, scattered significant injuries and they, the projections don't look too kindly, not, you know, not kindly, but they don't, they don't have Moncada uh, holding up to what he did last year. They're having him regressing just a bit, which I don't think is going to be the case. I think I was reading the AL MVP odds earlier today. Moncada was way down there, like 25 or something like that. Like 25 to one? No, no. Like he was ranked 25. I forgot what the odds were. It It was like maybe like, you know, 601 or something like that or 6,000 some value something crazy there is value there yeah so I, I don't think he's going to regress I think he is a superstar in the making uh, Giolito same but I, I think they're going to hit and if they end up being below 83 wins I think it's going to be because guys like Dylan Cease didn't take the next step which I, I don't anticipate happening but that's just one of those variables this year where, where that could swing you you can you can jump from 83 wins to 85 or 86 and and if you have the wrong side of that you can you know dip down to like maybe 81 or 80 wins so there's a few things bullpen I think you know I hope the bullpen will hold up for them this year I think you'll see some column a regression a lot of people had that you know coming last year you know they kept waiting and waiting and waiting for it never really happened but I, I think people are expecting that this year. That would that would hurt uh, this team. That would hurt me a lot this year if they lost games late, you know, because you you think that with the rebuild, like that, that those days are over. Like you you think you look at the at the bullpen and you think okay, they're, they're solidified there. But a, a bad year from Colome would be a terrible look for this team. According to this website, betchicago.com, they have Yohan Mankata and Elo Jimenez both at 50-1 to 1 to win the AL MVP, tied with guys like Jose Ramirez, George Springer, Gary Sanchez, Xander Bogarts, Austin Meadows. Good company. Okay, yeah, yeah. I forgot which one I was looking at. I think it was something out of Vegas, but uh, yeah, that was... Yeah, Trout's 4-5. to five. Yeah, yeah. Just stole your money the, away. Yeah, just, yeah, the Mike Trout Award, yeah, so... But yeah, so 83 wins, the road to get there. We're hoping maybe, you know, they can, you know, these things change. You know, maybe they make an acquisition at the trade deadline. Uh, but I think getting back to it, it's going to be another, uh, it's going to be a great summer for them. Uh, they're going to be interesting to watch. They're going to hit. But the question is, will they be able to pitch? And and I think that's where we can we can look at closer to 90 than 83 is if they pitch and if if the bullpen locks these games down because they're going to hit and they're going to hit a lot of home runs, I think. so. One thing I want to happen, and I know that people credit James McCann with getting Giolito back to being the guy that he was uh, when he was a prospect, when he was a high schooler. Um, No, I want Lucas Giolito pitching to the best catcher that we have and one of the best catchers in the game. I want him to be pitching to Yasmani Grandal. I mean, I don't believe in all that stuff. They, all the projections and all the algorithms say that James McCann is also ran or even bad framer of pitches. I want the best guy back there, especially with the bat, too. Yeah, that's, so that's one thing I didn't take uh, into account is possibly Giolito getting better because of better framing. Yeah. That's something I'll be watching for now that you mention it. Yeah, I, when, you, when, you th- when you talk about it in that perspective, I, I don't know what they're going to do with McCann. <laughs> 
it, that they've got problems there. We talked about it last episode with the the, the twenty six man with Zach Collins. I think McCann will end up being there, but you know it, it's it's there's going to be moments like that where you know I think he's going to lobby. Julio will lobby for McCann, but I think the lineup's going to call for. Grandal will be back there. I mean, we're starting in March 26th. What do you think is going to happen, Giolito? You're going to be getting the ball that day at a cold, rainy, maybe snowy guaranteed <laughs> no, I, rate. I hope not. We've waited so long for for an exciting opening day. This It'll is be, this is a coming out party for the exciting White Sox. I'd rather be the cold. The death of the rebuild. Cold than hot. You know, I want the those Royals bats to be as bad as they can be. That's right. Yeah. And then I, I would be furious. Furious if they had McCann starting that game instead of the guy that you went out, sought out, and gave the most money to in White Sox history. He's going to start that game. Maybe if Giolito is struggling and not pitching the way he wants to pitch and he thinks it's because of James McCann's not in there, fine. But also, I got to have my man on the opening day. I got to have his bat in the lineup, and I got to have his glove in the lineup. Sorry, James. It's a, great, it's, a great, it's a great problem to have. Oh, leading off, be excellent. I'm for that. I'm Team Yasmani for leadoff. We were we were talking to Mully about that this week, and I think it's just it's a it's a perfect fit. I think uh, Grandal leading off, setting the tone, seeing a lot of pitches. I think it'll it'll trickle down and help everyone else in the lineup. So especially if you got you've got a guy like Luis Robert in there, uh, Madrigal in there, who I think will be on the opening day roster. Young guys who would benefit at the back end of a lineup at it would benefit from guys seeing a lot of pitches in front of them or hitting a lot of home runs in front of them as we're hoping with like guys like Moncada and Eloy so yeah i think that having a guy that looks intense as Yasmani Grandal he does not you know like a bad guy but he looks intense he looks like hey i came to get my work done today follow my lead type of guy this is how i do my things this is how i study pitches this is how i frame pitches this is how I prepare for right-handed hitting this is how I prepare for left-handed hitting guys could pick up some of that stuff and he's a Cubano too Mas Cubanos on the uh, White Sox hopefully Rick Hahn's listening to this and oh, there's a right I, fielder yeah. who's a Mas Cubano he's a Cubano yeah we had uh, let's go man we had quite the uh, the the discussion flare up after our podcast I don't know if it was because of our podcast last week uh, last week, a couple of days ago, when I when I brought up that's my twenty six man, a late addition to spring training, Yasiel Puig, and 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 White Sox Dave and Ken W O. Oh man, they they were going back and forth, boys, boys, boys. Take it easy, it's just baseball. But we like uh, you know spawning the great uh, discussion. So I'm very happy that our, our podcast became a uh, a talking point, even though I'm not the first one to mention Puig to the White Sox and all. But I, it was good. It was good to see people talking. So. Yeah, it's and if you guys want to, our webs our website our uh, email is lockedonsocks at gmail dot com. Send us information through there, or like White Sox Dave and Ken W O did, chat with us on Twitter. We're both accessible actonwall twenty three at Chris Tannehill. You can find us. We're gonna reply to you. I'm probably gonna say something bad to you if you say something bad to me. I'm a dick like that, but uh, Tanny's gonna take it in stride and be a an adult about the situation. <laughs> so Sox, they broke for spring training today. Well, they didn't break for spring training, but you know they're they're setting up shop there. Rick Hahn spoke today, and you know another cold day. We walked home from the uh, from the blue line today, and uh, it was very cold out there. But just watching those videos of the guys speaking in Glendale, 
it 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 made me wish I was there to be honest with you and and thank you thank you thank you to a great supporter of Locked On Sox the uh, Arizona Bureau of Tourism yeah I mean if you want to get down to there to see the White Sox they share a facility with the Los Angeles Dodgers who just made a huge trade I don't know if you heard about that you like David Price go down to Arizona and see him right there in Glendale Arizona in the Camelback Ranch uh, facility with the White Sox. You like Mookie Betts? He's down there too. Visit Arizona.com slash spring training. That's visit Arizona.com slash spring training. There are 10 stadiums, 15 teams down in that area, 75 degree weather. We were just lamenting today that tomorrow or the day before, day after is going to be negative one or something like that. It's going to be real cold this weekend when the All-Stars from the NBA come into town Go down to Arizona and get some of that warmth on your body. Get a tan that you desperately need. I know your your feet and your legs are ashy and they're cold and they're all white and stuff. <laughs> no, go and get yourself a tan down in Arizona. Check out some great restaurants down there. I've been down there a couple times and there's nothing better than the Scottsdale area. Mercy, I tell you what. Yeah, and if you and if you've got seasonal allergies, so I do. Uh, the one time I went down there. Oh, they cleared up, and it was so nice. I felt like I could breathe again. I was like, oh, this is what smelling things is like at this time of year. I loved it. You know, got got a chance to walk around quite a bit when I was there. And, you know, it's just a great thing to do. If, if you've got a family, this is the best time to head out there and check out the White Sox. It's the most exciting time uh, in quite some, some time uh, for this organization. So what better time to, to get out there? And, and, and get rid of your winter blues by heading out to Arizona. And you can rub elbows with Major League Baseball players. They give out concerts. Like Jake Peavy used to do a concert. I think he still does, where he just plays with uh, his baseball friends and his rock buddies. Um, you might see Paul Konerko down there in his 16,000-foot-square house in Scottsdale, Arizona. You might see an Aubrey Huff. You might see oh, – don't see him. <laughs> you might see a, a Yoan Moncada just getting some food real quick. Enjoy it. <laughs> Like you get to rub elbows with these guys because they're all in that area. They're all in there. All like ten teams like jammed into the Phoenix Scottsdale slash Glendale area. It's so great. If you want to go and plan your trip, go to visit Arizona.com slash spring training. That is visit Arizona.com slash spring training. Tell them locked on socks and herb and tanny sent you. Now, Chris, we've talked about the Pakota projections. We've talked about what will go right and what will go wrong. I'm not doing an official, hey, this is what the number is going to be, I, even though I said I'm thinking around 85. But in your heart of hearts, do you think that the White Sox will beat these specific Pakota projections by five games or more? Ooh, by five or more? Five games or more. I don't see that happening. Uh, I've, I've, got, I've got everything going right for them, and, and that's still – Puts them about 87 wins, I think, which which might be good enough to get in the playoffs this year, get into the wild card, um, and that might be enough to even advance. Like you know, you win that game, win a short series, you never know. But I don't, I don't see him going any any higher than than 88 wins. Yeah, I had him at 85, and to go five more than 83 would be really tough for me to even put my mind around. Think about that. That is from 72. To 88 wins. That's a huge jump. I know the Twins kind of did a a similar jump. I think they were high 70s to 100 wins where they just hit the ball out of the ballpark. And the White Sox will have that type of offense this year where they had 
and mid hundreds home runs last year. They'll probably hit 220 home runs this year minimum. Yeah, let me know what ball they're playing with, and and I'll maybe give you a different answer because the Twins they were playing with a different baseball last year, and they had Marwin Gonzalez cheating ass Marwin who, Gonzalez who came out today and apologized for the Astros' wrongdoing. So who knows what they were doing in Minnesota? Anyone that's connected, especially he was the one that benefited the most according to uh, the, the 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 stats and the charts out there. Anyone connected with them, I I gotta look at sideways now. So maybe the maybe you'll see if you. You see a huge regression like if you see them dip down to like 80 wins then you could be like oh okay i see what you're doing out here cheating <laughs> yeah so they got those drums out here too so yeah that'll probably much do it pretty much do it for chris Tannehill and i on locked on socks remember follow us on twitter at locked on socks if you want to email us it's locked on socks at gmail.com follow us on instagram on locked on socks my personal Twitter is Ecknerwall23. You can follow me on Instagram there. And Chris Tannehill at Chris Tannehill. Anything else, Chris? That's it. For Chris Tannehill, it's Herb Lawrence saying goodnight from Chris Tannehill's basement.